For those of you that don't know me, my name is Nick, and I have the privilege of being part of this team. I'm newer to the team, but I've been part of the ecosystem here at Whitewater for some time. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Thanks for being here. I honor the people that have walked on this altar and shared God's word in the past here and those that will share in the future. I do not take it lightly. We honor them as they have impacted me in a very deep way as I know that they have impacted you and also this community. I'm here with and because of my family, my beautiful wife, Jackie, the soul that God is trusting me with to care for and love all the days that I walk on this earth. I have two sons and they are both here with me. My Soren, he's 12 years old. My courageous protector, more about him later. And my 13-year-old Zealand, who is God's wonder that reminds me of the simple and the complex beauties of our Lord. My talk today is week two of Solve 7, Summer of Love. Last week, John narrated and sort of guided us to a posture that I felt like this body recognized and now lives in. Not only do that, but he, as a body of believers, he, he made us believe in something that was bigger than ourselves. And when I say he, meaning God used him to empower us. We honor that. I say our general has spoken, and now we have orders. I love orders. I take orders, and I know that that's because that leader loves me. He's going to do the best for this kingdom. It has nothing to do with us. It's about him. So thank you for the honor of being able to speak today. I appreciate it. This week, rescue. Let's pray. Father, we have been able to enjoy your presence because you are so good. But Father, as you speak to us through your living word, let our hearts be prepared even now. Amen. Today's reading comes from Isaiah, the 61st chapter, verse 1. And if you would please indulge me, pardon this, will you stand for the reading of the word? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be set free. This is the word of the Lord. You may have your seats. Thank you. Whitewater, today we join the Lord's work as we rescue the prisoners. Our conversation today is in three parts. And I want to share a little something about myself so you understand a little bit more about me. So that way you can understand how God uses people and time to his advantage. Everything is for his glory. I learned that a long time ago. And when I learned that, it made it much easier on me because I didn't have to worry about anything because it was all for his glory. One more caveat before I begin. Uh, I like to say, let me remove the metaphorical idiom from the room better known as the elephant. 
Not to be dramatic or to lower expectation about what's going to happen. Just so you know me. I told you, I just want you to see me for who I really, really am. I don't get to hide behind a guitar, although I wish I would. And my goodness, the worship today, how beautiful. <laughs> my entire family was called to ministry. My mom and dad, my brother, lead pastors. But I didn't feel called to seminary. I just didn't. I don't know why. I just didn't. But I do feel called to share this word today. So thank you. I'm going to ask you to lean into this moment. I'm going to be brave today. More brave than usual, I'd say. And I just want you to dig deep. I'm going to dig deep. And uh, let's see what we're made of, okay? In 1989, I was 12 years old. The number one movie in America was Batman. The number one song in the United States of America on the Billboard charts were two songs. The first one was I Miss You Much by Janet Jackson. Oh, I miss you much, I miss you. Yeah, we all got it. The second one was a very, sorry, guys, sorry, you won't know what that is. Um, the second one was a song by Sir Phil Collins, a very popular song. Some of you, oh, you're already clapping because you know which one I'm talking about, right? The, it's not the one that goes, do, 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 do. See, we were there, but then we've lost each other now. It was actually a song called Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins, four weeks on the charts. The Cincinnati Bengals that year were eight and eight and did not make the playoffs. It was not a perfect year at all. I was a buck-toothed little kid. Um, they're still here. I had them straightened. And I attended a small Pentecostal church in Austin, Texas. That's where I'm from. And I began to learn to play guitar about 12 as a way to help my church worship. Nothing else. Just nobody played, so I learned to play. A few years later, at 14, I had an identifying, identity, wow, identity-defining moment. We've all had these moments. You make the football team or the cheer squad or you get your first like on Facebook. Earth-shattering, life-altering moments. Or in my wife's case, you get a record deal in Nashville, begin to sell millions of records. But that's her story for her to tell at a later date. 14. Some of you are 14 right in front of me. A little confusing, a little awkward for me. Everybody says this, so I'm just going to go ahead and join the club and jump in the pool. But you have to get older to understand the beauties of 14. You do. As I've gotten older, I've been able to dig in my Bible a lot more and, and to be able to understand that God used people at 14 and, and, and younger and a little old, just in this age range. Mary, the mother, of our Savior was given that privilege, Luke 1.30. She received the gift of birthing our Savior as a teenager. David, a young shepherd, when he was hunted down by Samuel to be the next ruler of Israel, just a young boy. Timothy with Paul, and so on and so forth. Our Bible is rich with these stories. But one common thread I couldn't help but notice was that they were available. So I kind of find that to be the start. You just got to be available. You already know what that means in your heart. You're wrestling right now with it. 
How available am I? I had this identity-defining moment in my life, and it was pretty simple. It doesn't have to be when you're 14. You could start working for Jesus, King Jesus right now, and you may be retired, but it may be the only time you had margin in your life to start doing something, and that's okay. You may be in college and you may be broke because most college kids are broke. But that doesn't mean you have to stop and say, let me think about this for a moment. It's our moments whenever our heart says yes. So I was 14 years old and I spoke these words to my king, my savior, my father. I wrapped everything of my 14 years with a bow around it and I just laid it out there for him. It was so, so powerful. It probably started with something like this. Uh... And I said, I'm not that good, but if you can use me, I'm all yours. Are you available? Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Nothing earth-shattering about my statement when you put all those words together and you sort of lay it out there like that. Nothing really amazing about it at all. Not to you, but to me. It changed my whole life. It made me who I was, and it makes me who I am today. That little statement. Fascinated by stories of missionaries, a young woman decided at the age of 12 that she would commit herself to serving a life for God. Still a teenager. She was on her way to Ireland from modern-day North Macedonia to learn English. English was the most needed language in her field. But before she began, she started her novitiate in India, and her heart was broken and crushed by the need right in front of her. That woman is Mother Teresa. 12 years old, she made a decision. I told you I'm going to be brave. I'm going to ask you to dig a little deeper into your heart and ask yourself right now, are you available for the labor that Jesus Christ has called us to? It's pretty simple. Whitewater today, we join the Lord's work as we rescue the prisoner, we rescue the slave, we rescue the forgotten and the helpless. As you're searching your heart, we banty a word a lot around in in our Christian circles. It's called calling. You've heard this word before. If you haven't, maybe new to you. Calling's an important thing. But if you don't know what it is, then it just sounds like a word. I love the way that the English Standard Translation puts this verse. It's written by a gentleman by the name of Paul, who is a hero of our Bible. It's to the Church of Corinth, and it's going to be on the screen, but I want you to listen to these words deeply. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, English Standard Version. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. We are called. 
It didn't say we are called if we are qualified. It didn't say we are called if we have time. It just says which God has called him. What a haunting statement that we're all meant to do something for his glory. Part of, part of understanding your calling is understanding your identity in him. And it's more than just like, you know, your, your mirror, what you can see in the mirror. We all have mirrors. We have bathroom mirrors for daily routine. Check our, you know, brush our teeth. And for most of us, brush our teeth. Uh, comb our hair. Those things like that. Some of us have full-length mirrors in our bedrooms to check that perfect date night outfit. Make sure that the this goes with this, with the this. I don't know how to do that, so I wear the same thing every week. It's easy. <laughs> Small ones that we put in our handbags. Girls call it a compact. I learned that this morning. Correct? Yes. And that's usually for like little touch-ups. Guys call it a mirror for your toiletry kit. Just in case you need to figure something out. And yeah, but mirrors reveal things that we can't always see by just looking down. You might say, I'm right here. I can see myself. Take a moment to look down. You can only reveal from about here down. Everything up here is blind to you because you're looking down. But the mirror will reveal this for us. Many of us have gone to the restroom during a dinner date to check our hair and check our makeup or whatever it is. And we've been having a great time. Just check our clothing, maybe, something like that. Just to realize that you've had lettuce in your teeth for part of the conversation. My wife and I are past that point. While we're eating, if there's something in my teeth and I'm talking, my wife just goes, ah, ah, something's, ah, 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 you didn't get it. And then it's always a, an attempt, water or the whole, you know, the whole thing, ah, you still didn't get it. It's, it's, it's a nightmare. You'll get there one day, young people. Some of us have a hard time looking at the mirror and liking what we see. So we do things, we work out, we buy new clothes, we cut our hair. But sometimes some of us see things in the mirror that we don't necessarily like. Maybe we see the features of a mom and dad. It didn't mean it was perfect growing up. So you look at that mom and dad and you have emotions or thoughts about it. This is not Mayberry. We know it wasn't perfect. These are not the cleavers. None of that's happening. Like my parents would maybe think that they were perfect parents. But either way, as kids, we all know, and everyone here is a child of someone. We all know it wasn't perfect, and that's okay. But if you're a follower of Christ, and some of you may not be, we're going to get to that in a minute. But if you are, as we look deeper, this is where it gets fun. I believe that in every person here, there's an inner superhero. And I don't say that lightly. I just, I believe it. Philippians 4.3 says it famously. I love this. You probably have heard it before if you've ever been in the church world or anywhere close. I can do all things through him which gives me strength. But I like this idea of strength. We know what that means, but in biblical terms, it's something different. That means in the Bible. I once heard a story about an experiment with trees where trees were grown inside of an eco-bubble you know where they, uh, uh, what is that called? The climate that's like inside, but it's, it looks like outside so they can plant and they can grow. And these trees grew nice and tall and beautiful. But the trees inside this bubble, they, they eventually grew so
so big that they snapped on top of themselves. And the scientists couldn't figure out why. And then what they discovered was that trees need wind to blow them back and forth to add sap to their trunks. And when they do that, when they go back and forth and back and forth and they fight against the wind, they're growing sap in their trunks, which makes them stronger, which means they can grow larger. So even though you would think that the ones that were in the ecosystem could be big and beautiful and strong, they actually were fragile. See, when God gets into your life, he can, get, he can add that sap to your life. And even though we may be going through things, he's making you stronger. But I love that he can give us even strength to posture ourselves beautifully in this world until we get to heaven as it is on earth until we get to heaven there's a story in the bible about a young man who had a bunch of money and this young man asked jesus how can i serve you how can i do better see jesus or he already knew everything so his natural instinct was to love him through a moment in this person's life so here's what he did as that man was talking to him, the young man as they call him not sure the age Matthew 19, 21 says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack. He said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Get that stuff out of the way. Your true identity is stepping into this calling. This is who you will become. Believe it or not, and it may just sound like a bunch of words right now, but one day you'll look back on this moment. Your true identity is stepping into your calling. We can also have the compassion as Jesus Christ did. Matthew 9, 35 through 37. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. How amazing to be able to just go do that. Like, what are you going to do today? I'm going to go, I'm just going to go heal some diseases and sicknesses. What power. How beautiful our Savior. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. When we labor for one another, we also prove God's word to be true. Again, Mark 12, 30 through 31 Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and all your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no, there's no commandment greater than these. Today we're talking about rescue and rescue can look like any one of these things. But today I need to get specific with you. There's one thing that breaks my heart more than anything. It's sort of an internal battle. I struggle with it. I struggle to wrap, wrap my mind around it. It's the world of sex trafficking. As a Christian man, I can't help to have been rocked to my core. No love for a team. No love for anything on this earth gets deeper than this for me. I don't know what it is about it. Just have a hard time. A few years ago, I joined some heroes, some vigilantes, and we decided that we were going to do something for people that have been enslaved. 
so we took some efforts, joined some teams, did some stuff, and we, I say did some stuff, there's a lot of details to it, but we went to lease a building in a brothel-stricken area in a town in Costa Rica. Why Costa Rica? Because we heard that this was a hot spot for this kind of thing. As this team got together and we leased this building, we flew down to go see it. It had been cleaned out and, and uh, readied. And as I walked in, I met with other teams that were there to do the same. These teams were filled with men and women who had decided that they were going to step into their calling and go serve others and be Jesus to people that had no chance of making it. When I walk in, there's this little group of ladies, and um, their job was to go and to find Their job was to go find people that needed help. People didn't just go by to just looked inviting. They went to go search them out. And when they would do that, there was one young lady in particular. Her posture would be on her knees, eye to eye. She'd ask simple questions like, how are you? We have a place that you can come join us if you need help. I watched that young lady go through, and the people would wave at her. They knew her. She was part of what was happening there. But I saw something different. I saw Jesus walking down the streets going, come in. Come on in. Unbelievable. While being there, I, um, while being there, I, I, I sat with the lady and looked at her right in her eyes. She was about my wife's age. She looked twice her age. And I sat there simply talking to her, just hearing her story. It was pretty simple. There's no story to tell. She was busy all night. And she was just there for a cup of coffee. There was another group of ladies there, and I have to say this because I, I said this to Pastor John. It would have been too easy for me to put a picture of this up here. It would have been too easy. Let me tell you the story. There was another lady there, and she was there to truly wash the feet of these trafficked people that would come in. She would take their feet, and she would clean their nails and give them a pedicure, and then she would massage their hands, give them manicures, and speak with them and love them. And I got a chance to watch this. And then I took a picture with her just because I just wanted the memory of this, per this hero. So I took a picture with her. And I sent it to John. I was starting to think back. And I sent it to John. And again, it would be too easy for me to post that. But I was wearing a shirt and it said, I love my church. Even then, Whitewater, God was lining up this moment so I could talk to you about this. How wonderful that he manipulates time for his glory. I'll take it.
But as I sat there and I looked into her eyes and I'm looking at this broken person, I realized that 30 years later, the 14-year-old Nick that said, I'm not that good, but if you can use me, I'm all yours. It was for that moment. Some of these people are in our, in our city. They're here. You don't have to go there. They're here. We can help. This world is dark. But Jesus is the light that can chase out that darkness. It's pretty good. Innocent souls, some sold by parents. Others are casualties of their environment. What does that even mean? Casualty of their environment. No pictures to protect them. No names. I'm not here to manipulate you. That's not who I am. Your heart is already wrestling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is God's Holy Spirit working on you, not Nick's cool words. Such a harsh reminder that there's people in this world that just want to hurt people. So if you're a protector, and I know some of you are by Enneagram or those other things that you take to, to find out about you, if you're a protector, listen up. If you're a caregiver, listen up. If you're a Christ follower, stand up with me in your heart. You don't have to stand up so I can see you. I don't need that. That's not what we're doing here. But stand up that the heavens can recognize your heart. I have a job to do in my life. I have two sons. One of my sons is, is here. And what I decided to do in my life is to just figure out a way to break my heart's son's heart for the Lord and the work that is needed here on this earth. I want his heart to break for the things that break God's heart. I want your heart to break for the things that break God's heart. I want to teach him to dig into his God-given primal heart of servanthood. It's my only goal. It's going to take effort. It's going to take resources. But we can do it. You may be asking yourself, yeah, that sounds really great for you. But it didn't say Nick was called. It says we're all called. God can give you this same burn for his people. And if you don't have it, you can ask for it. Lord, I want to love your people like you love them. It's a beautiful, beautiful effort. It may be you today. Your heart's burning now. I already know you may. It may be you. It may be Connor. It may be Bill. Maybe Ethan. Maybe Chris. Maybe Jake. Put your name in there. You already know what you have to do. But it doesn't happen all by itself. You got to. You got to take action. Solve seven is your way to dig in. This is our lane, Whitewater. This is our lane. You don't even have to try to figure it out on your own. Someone's done all the hard work for you because most of the time that's where we stop is at the start. I don't know if you've ever done this. Anybody ever started the gym January 1? Woo! We get ripped. Go get ripped. January 2, you're like, man, this is a Friday. I usually take Fridays off. Saturday, and then this Saturday, I don't want to do that because my family, I need them. And then Sunday's church day. So, and then Monday, it's a, you know, stressful from the weekend because I'm tired. 
So we have an excuse to not start. Well, here's the beautiful part. This church has already started for you. Psalm 7. Unbelievable. David Vaughn has made a phrase famous in my mind. There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. What would God say of us today, Whitewater? Part of this ministry during the COVID time, coronavirus time, part of this ministry was rocked by having to close those doors to us here that are in person, online, you're still good. But during that time, from afar, I would watch and I would hope for better days for this, this place. One of the hearts here is to continue to serve communities so well. There's people that take care of our children. They love your children. And what they signed up for was to be able to be with your children, for them to pivot and go online. And disciple online was masterful, beautiful. I often think of Reed and I think of the things, the challenges here in the youth department that he had to sort of hurdle over. He became an online, it was all online, and then we had to compete with everything else online for teenagers. That's a tough call. But one thing I'm so encouraged about was Whitewater did what Whitewater does best. It rolled up its sleeve and decided that we're going to serve in any way that we can. The Life Center rushed in to put its hand on the wounds of this world delivering thousands of pounds of food and truckloads and truckloads of resources. Well done. But during coronavirus or this COVID time or whatever you want to call it, I like to call it the COVID, we sort of detached ourselves from community. We detached ourselves from each other. And this some of us are still there where we're, we don't want to get all the way back in. I'm not talking about hanging out together. I'm talking about doing what this church does best. We give out hope at this church by the shovel full. This is who we are. This is who you are. I've seen it. It's beautiful. It's the hope by the shelf. You want, oh, you need more? I've got plenty more. And if I need to, I'll go to the storehouse and go get more. And if not, I'll go down the street and go get more. This is the lifeline of this church, is to give out hope. But during coronavirus, we got a chance to take a little break. But it's time to catch up. Your muscles should be rested. It's time to get our hope gloves on. And start giving it out. Today, Whitewater, we join the Lord's work when we rescue the slave. We're going to put our time, our money, and our superpower where our mouth is. Jesus was the perfect example of servanthood. His willingness to serve, Philippians 2.3. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others. His compassion, Jesus. The woman that was, there was a woman caught in adultery and Jesus' compassion got a chance to dismantle the mob with his superhero power. John 8, 6, 7. They were using these questions to trap him, Jesus. 
in order to have a basis to accuse him, Jesus bent over, started writing down on the ground with his finger. I love this. They were trying to trap Jesus, and he just, he's like, man, let me just draw this Mona Lisa here on the ground. I don't know what he was writing. I like to think it was a line in the sand. They kept questioning him. He straightened up and said to him, to the mob, let any one of you who is without sin first throw the first stone at her. And his ultimate holy action, the cross. I may not be speaking to everyone today, and I realize that. You may have come in. This may be your first week. You may be new. Welcome. You came on a good week. But if Jesus is your leader, if God is your king, I want you to know that sex trafficking breaks his heart. And if it breaks his heart, it should break ours. Matthew 25, 37 through 40. When the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did I ever see you hungry and not feed you or thirsty and not give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did I ever see you sick or in prison and not visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of me, of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it unto me. We're looking for people to stand up in their hearts and say, I will help my little sisters. We're looking for vigilantes that will say, I want justice. We have to call the inner Batman in ourselves, the inner Wonder Woman in ourselves. You can be part of the Whitewater Justice League. It's up to you. That's what John looks like, not Nick. This is the brave part for me. Okay? I told you I was going to be brave. I don't like to tell people what to do with their money or their time or with their family. You see, I think the reason why I don't like for people to tell me what to do with those things is because I don't want to be told what to do in these things. I can, be, I can become complacent in the things that I can accomplish. And also in the things that I think that I know, I can become complacent in that. Once you think you know everything, it becomes hard when people want to tell you what to do. It's like, yeah, 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 that's good for you. That's great. It doesn't work for me. Thanks. But no thanks. But with the right leadership and the right pastors speaking into my life, I was reminded of what I'm called to do. Again, I'm going to be brave. I'm not, I'm not even going to ask you to go home and think about it. That'd be too easy. My normal posture is to say, do this if you want to. Do this if you think it's cool. I'm not going to give you time for that. We respond today because we have to. Indeed, today is a very happy 4th of July, Independence Day. This is about freedom. Independence Day for a group of young women that we're about to help set free. Let's pray. Lord, we...
posture our hearts. We posture our hearts that we're on this earth to serve you. We are truly your servants. As we continue on today, we will join your work and we will rescue the slave. In your son's holy name, amen.